why reinvent the wheel? And so no matter the program, find those partners in your community who are reaching the people you want to reach. And, you know, you got to check up on them and make sure that they're um, partnering in a way that honors the gospel, um, you know. And that's one of the things I love about Victory is we we trust you guys. And that, that partnership is huge that we don't, we don't worry what are they being taught when they go over there, you know. Um, but we, we see you guys as partners in the gospel and in meeting needs in the community. Welcome to Brighter Stories, the podcast about eliminating poverty and empowering people by giving them the tools they need to build independent lives that they love. Hey, I'm your host, Jason Henson. In this series, we'll tackle a variety of topics like outreach and what it means to do life with someone and more. We'll hear testimonies from graduates of the restoration program, Victory Mission's long-term discipleship program that transforms lives through a holistic approach. I hope this podcast will challenge and encourage you and we'll start discussions about how we can help our neighbors write brighter stories for their lives. As a pastor, Brandon Fields knows something about connections. He leads the group at Jefferson Avenue Church in Springfield, Missouri, and those connections help people grow and change. But he wants to build meaningful and true connections where people can experience a God who has a plan for them and how helpful it can be to partner with a local ministry as their church serves the community to meet immediate need, but tries to draw people with prayer, conversation, and more in God's kingdom. Let's jump into the conversation. Yeah, so Brandon Fields, thanks for coming and being a part of our podcast. This is exciting because um, you kind of have a unique viewpoint on life because you have uh, a specific job. And sure. I'll let you share about that. So yeah. tell us... What you do on a daily basis, who you are, tell us about your family. Uh, my name is Brandon Fields, and I am the lead pastor at Jefferson Avenue Baptist Church. Um, I'm, I call myself a Springfield native. We moved here in fifth grade, but I've, I've lived in Springfield most of my conscious life, so this is home. Um, I have four kids, uh, all girls. It's wonderful being a dad, and um, I love being pastor at Jefferson Avenue. So I have been a part of Jefferson Avenue as either a member or the uh, associate pastor or pastor since 1994. So long history at Jefferson. And our, our history with Victory Mission goes back even longer than that. So our church has been engaged with Victory Mission for, man, I, I want to say 30-plus years. Does that sound right? I think that is right. Okay, it's, it's been a long time. And so we've been involved in many different levels, and uh, we're excited about the, the level of involvement we've been able to be in recently. Yeah, so one of the reasons you're here is you, you are a partner church. You guys help with donations. You invest in a local you know, parachurch organization, which we are. But you're very passionate about the gospel being spread, and, and you want to engage with high-quality relationships. Yes, and so all of those things that victory is value, you as a church value. And so when you think of the sphere of Christianness, mm, right. right, the Christian culture, you know, there people can throw around a lot of buzzwords. And I and I and I think what's really and we almost have to get through all the Christian talk to get down to like, how do we really impact a life? 
And maybe that's a better way to ask it. Like, how do you really, as a church, as a nonprofit, as just an individual listening to podcasts, how do you really bring the Christness to that person? Sure. I think that has to happen uh, through connections and relationships. And uh, so often in life, um, people are essentially reduced to numbers, and you just exist in terms of, um, all right, because your number is whatever, then you're going to get this thing at this time, and, and you just kind of move through the system without any relationship or true connection. Uh, the gospel is most effective when we emulate Christ in front of people, when we get to be that connection for them, when uh, they see us, they see Jesus. Um, so the, the way I think we, we connect with people first and foremost, is on a relational level. As I think about Jefferson's involvement with Victory Mission over the years, uh, years ago we uh, had, a, had a relationship where we came in and we served uh, meals once a month. Uh, and it was a great time. For our church, we would um, cook the meals together on a, on a Sunday night, and then we would bring them in on Monday, and we'd bring in a team. And usually the way we did that was a Sunday school class would sponsor that month and they'd, they'd cook the food, they'd bring it in, they'd serve it. Well, they'd be there for one hour, once a year, and uh, they would just come in and go out. And there was no relationship, no opportunity for, for real connection. Um, so um, as, as, our, uh, as we talked about, hey, what does it mean to really connect and, and get to know people? We, we were looking for more consistency. How, how can we get the same faces in front of the same people more often? Um, and so I, I think that's one thing that uh, Victory's done a, a good job with and things that are important to us is how do we uh, create opportunities for those in need to make meaningful connections? I, lo- I love that. And it's really what Victory, the heart of it, as we've shifted, because I think in the old days, no one would come to a soup kitchen, right? 30 years ago, you wouldn't dare walk into a soup kitchen unless you really needed it because there was some kind of cultural shame or like, you know, you would only need that if you need it. And now there's almost like, oh, you're giving out free food? You know, like it's almost become a marketing strategy that now we're competing against. So so we we shift and we get to know the culture and what's going on. And so one of the things that you guys, you know, have been involved in is our mobile food pantry. Right, right. So what did that mobile, why did you say yes to having food pantry at your location? Sure. Um, well, one of the things that um, a, f- a former employee, uh, Nick Hughes, used to talk to me about and also that you talked to me about was uh, the consistency of, of, of neighborhoods, um, finding a places to, to get their food that's hopefully close to them. Um, so for where our church is, we're on the south-ish side of town, and Victory uh, home base is on the north-ish side of town. So our, our communities don't actually overlap. The idea that hopefully many of these people have similar zip codes or close to us and that they're coming to where we are allows them to say, hey, these, this is in my neighborhood. These are my people. This is a church that I'm aware of in my immediate community. And then they, they come back um, multiple times, and we have uh, the same basic team that's there each week. So it's an opportunity for us to connect with them. And the thing that one of the things I love about our team is when they're there, they engage these people while they're waiting in line to pick up their groceries, talk to them in their cars, ask them how they can pray for them. Um, and, you know, sometimes you get a short answer of like, yeah, you know, um, I'm okay, no, no prayer. And then others, you end up with somebody who's, you know, broken that you actually asked them and were like, yeah, you know, I'm going through a lot. It's a real hard time right now. And you get a chance to uh, 
like I said earlier, have that meaningful connection where you express care for them, get to pray for them, and then you're meeting a physical need as well, which is, uh, I think, important. So, yeah, that's, that's been good for us. So when you, when you think about those relationship pieces, you know, uh, in, in our community, there are, oh my gosh, there's like a church on every corner um, and a bank on the other corner. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's, it's a very good, you know, there's a lot of churches, but I think sometimes the expectations from somebody in need is what, what have you seen it? Somebody knocks on your door. What are they wanting from you really? I mean, in most cases, they just want an immediate need out of desperation met right then. And that's so hard because you see these people who you know are really in a bad way and they, they genuinely don't have the means to take care of that emergency. And uh, your heart goes out to them. But um, unfortunately, it I, don't, I feel terrible saying this, but we just don't have the resources or the ability to meet every emergency. Um, and that's a that's a huge challenge. Um, as people come in, you, you find yourself making split-second decisions. You know, is, is this a person that we can invest in? And when you say that, I mean, oh, man, it just breaks your heart. You know, why this person and not that person? And, you know, we have to pray and walk in the Spirit. Um, but one thing we've decided we wanted to do is we never wanted um, anybody to leave our church without some type of yes. So if they come in and they ask for a hotel, which happens often— um, people will ask for utility bills to be paid often. They'll ask for gas. Just yesterday, I got asked for bus tickets. Um, all these things happen all the time. We, we want to offer them something. So we have a food pantry that we keep on site. We can always give them, we never want anybody to starve. We can always give them food for the day. Um, you know, and, and occasionally if they're looking, um, you know, in a, in a, in a particularly, vulnerable spot or they say, Hey, can I just talk to you? You know, then we can offer them a listening ear and, and, and pray with them and visit with them for a few minutes. But that is a, an extremely hard thing to know. Like I can't meet every need. Um, we, we just can't. And so it's great to have a community partner, um, that, that helps us, uh, in, in those areas like, like victory does. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if a church pastor is listening to this or somebody that goes to church and they're, they're connecting with this and they're saying, man, I wish I wish my church would do more, or I don't even know what they, you know, they might be thinking, oh, I don't know what our church does sure. if somebody comes. But from your perspective, people are coming every, not every day, but probably once a week. At least once a week. Yeah. And they're wanting, hey, I, I need a hotel, or sometimes they're like, they're asking for, hey, I need an ID, which is 12 bucks, so maybe they want $12. But the reality is, is if you met all those needs or any of our churches, small or large, they can't meet the need that's that's going on. There no, it's too great. Yeah, the need's absolutely too great. And we had a we had a series of of guests, if you will, um, in our neighborhood. We had a, a house that cycled through a lot of um, homeless people that just came through, and we had people in our our church gosh, almost every day asking for a bag of groceries. And we had to start keeping track of, hey, how often have you been here? And, you know, we, we set a limit on you can't come, but every two weeks and had to tell people no, even when we want to tell them yes, like they're abusing the system. You just can't. You can't keep up with it. It's too much. And, and I think really at the core of it, what they need is, well, you know, we would say, hey, you need a relationship with God. Absolutely. But you also need a relationship with others that's more accountable like it's not okay that you're just trying to get through today like you can thrive and I think that's what 
we want to see people do is thrive and be independent. And as a church, you know, if you have, you know, you're, you're paid because people tithe right. and, and do that. And then the, the children's minister, the worship pastor, different bills get paid. They come and gather. But without those resources, nobody comes to church. Yeah, that's true. So, I mean, it happens in community. We work together. Um, and I, I think that is, that's a really good observation. I mean, the value of coming alongside each other to encourage each other, to promote spiritual growth and point each other toward the gospel. I think so often, just in everyday life, if just you and me and, and anybody else who goes to our church, I mean, our, our church is a predominantly middle-class church, and we deal with predominantly middle-class problems. Um, but no, no matter what those situations are, we need somebody to walk alongside us to help let us know we're not alone, to let us know that there's somebody we can go to with with our, our troubles and, and, and burdens and to encourage us in the truth and walk in the truth. And if we need that in our situation, which perhaps maybe isn't as desperate or dire, um, how much more do others need that encouragement as well? Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I, I love how you said that because it's like, look, let's not, let's not get on an island where, where oh, I'm the only one with this problem. Um, but the, the individuals coming with these, you know, I don't have shelter, I don't have food, you know, it's because they didn't have those. Re- Maybe they didn't have a parent. Right. There's trauma. There's abuse. These adverse childhood effects that they they are now walking out, and they're like, I don't even know where to go. Like I, uh, I never had a consistent home, and so that can be to some churches. You know, you don't have a social worker on staff. Right. You don't have a counselor on staff. So it's like, look, I, we're going to do the best we can with kind of this group, but not all. That's where like the partnership we have together is you guys could actually refer us and you've texted me before. Hey, yeah. this, there's a person in our parking well, lot. And we, I, I know just recently we had a, a young lady who came and participated in the uh, women's program for a few weeks. And I don't think she stayed for very long, but still we were able to make that connection and she was able to come and, and get started. And, and again, I know that that program can be pretty demanding and so not everybody stays in, but that was an awesome opportunity to be able to, she said, I have a need. And we said, we have a partner who can help us with that need. We were able to make that connection. And then at that point, the ball's in her court, whether or not she's going to stay engaged and, and stay participating. You know, as, cause I, everything I've heard is she was accepted into the program and just couldn't quite stick it out. I love how you say that too, because, you know, that's the church doesn't have to have all the answers, but you have to know where to connect them. Right. You know, and I, I, I like what you're doing at Jefferson Avenue. I like what you're, you're incorporating your people to be about, you know, and like, hey, we're going to be intentional. The other thing that I I want you to talk more about on how you got your church involved in the mobile pantry that's being there, because you said something interesting to me. You said uh, primarily you have the same group of people there. Yeah. How did you get that buy-in? Well, um, that's a great question. I probably have to give Lydia a lot of credit for that. She's uh, our our person who's in charge of that. I mean, she's developed a team and contacts them and keeps in contact with them. My wife has been very involved with that as well. I think a big part of that is is having um, your leaders buy in, casting that vision and and caring for it. One of the things this okay. So I'm talking to other pastors right now. One of the things that I love about the the partnership we have with with the food pantry is prep. Is, is next to nothing. Um, logistics, all we have to do is make sure our volunteers are there. Victory takes care of everything. 
And that makes it a plug and play program and we don't have to reinvent the wheel. So when we're thinking about how do we meet a need in our community uh, and how do we have an opportunity to connect with people, then, then that doesn't require a lot of prep work on, on our side. The team can get formed. Um, who has a heart for people in these situations? You know, and this, this is something else I'd say. When, when you have a heart for the ministry, going up and talking to the person in their window of their car is a little easier. When you want to be there, those conversations are a little easier. And having the same group of people who've done it together, build some com- camaraderie. Um, what I love is when I go, I don't have to be the face of the ministry. They're doing it. They're the ones in cars uh, that the, the, the members of the church are. And I just think that's fantastic. Um, but I think a lot of that just comes from um, our, our team leaders value it. They do the follow-up. Victory Mission makes it easy. And these people have a heart for it. So I'll get there sometimes a little late, and I'll see our team huddled up in prayer right before we get started. And uh, then I see them out there smiling and, and greeting guests, I think a lot because they genuinely care. Are you worried how you'll get your groceries next week? Victory Mission can help. Our mobile food pantry partners with Ozark Food Harvest to provide groceries to our neighbors in need. We travel to sites across Springfield, Missouri every week to meet the immediate needs of our community. To find out more about Victory's mobile food pantry and find times and locations near you, visit victorymission.com forward slash mobile food pantry. Yeah, you can't teach compassion. Right. I mean, you can sort of tell people, hey, you this should is be a-. compassionate. Right. You should be. Um, but you, when you find those right people that are compassionate, now you're, you're connecting with them. And they're really doing what is an outflow, right? I think Jesus said something about, right? If you figure that out, you'll be like living water, like streams of living water coming out from within. And that's what you're seeing with your, your team. Yeah. So when, when we think about, the church relationship, and you could apply that to anything, um, what you're saying with the plug-and-play program. Like, your church has said, hey, there's a nonprofit, and any church in any community, there's a nonprofit somewhere that needs reading buddies, mentors, uh, pantry, just serving food, anything like that. So this isn't specific to a mobile pantry. This could be applied to anything. Oh, sure. In, in, anytime you—why reinvent the wheel, right? So Jefferson, for a church our size, we, we actually have a decent church staff in terms of ministers. But, you know, we're not experts in every avenue of ministry. So if we don't know, why not partner with somebody who's in it every day, who, who gets what needs to be done? Let them do the, the heavy lifting, if you will. And we get to just be the hands and feet and enjoy the partnership together. I think that's one of the, the greatest things. If we had to find the groceries, if we had to pay for the food on the food pantry, if we had to get it to the facility, all these things, we wouldn't do it. But the fact that you guys do all the logistics, you guys even handle the signups for those who come. Like literally, we get handed a sheet and we check them off when they come in. I mean, it's that easy. Um, that has Why reinvent the wheel? And so no matter the program, find those partners in your community who are reaching the people you want to reach 
and you know you got to check up on them and make sure that they're um, partnering in a way that honors the gospel. Um, you know, and that's one of the things I love about Victory is we we trust you guys, and that that partnership is huge. That we don't we don't worry what are they being taught when they go over there. You know, um, but we we see you guys as partners in the gospel and in meeting needs in the community. So, do you have any neat stories where somebody might have come? From the mobile pantry, is it, or is it? You know, I, I want to say yes. I wish I could, but um, as of this moment, we haven't seen a person from the mobile food pantry come back on a Sunday. Um, but we've only been doing it for about a year, um, and that seems like a long time, but it, it's really not if you think about it. But um, we, we haven't we haven't seen that yet. Um, but what we have seen is people in the church who were. Um, maybe less invested, uh, have an opportunity to serve and to be given responsibility and to, to use their gifts. And so those things are really important as well. Um, we, we trust God. We, we didn't get into this ministry uh, thinking, hey, this is going to be a great way to, to grow our church. But how do we make a difference in people's lives? How do we share hope? How do we um, uh, point them to the gospel? And how do we be an encouragement to our neighbors? Um, several years ago, back in... I don't know, early, mid-2000s, uh, Jefferson did a neighborhood survey where we went out and canvassed the neighborhood and tried to figure out how many of our neighbors knew we were there. And it blew our minds that how many people who lived within walking distance of the church had never heard of Jefferson Avenue Baptist Church, had no idea we were there. And that really—now, um, I wasn't even on staff back then. I was just a member. But that really launched us into how do we— how do we tell our neighbors we love them? How do we let them know we're there? And it's led to several different uh, ministries that we've done specifically to contact our neighbors. But this is one of those opportunities of just saying, hey, we're here. And so when a crisis happens, when something goes wrong, we want them to think, where, where would I feel love? Where would I feel compassion? Where can I go? And we would hope that in the future, if they have that need, if, if the Holy Spirit begins to convict them, draw them to himself, that Jefferson would be a place they'd feel safe and maybe accepted, and perhaps even have a connection with somebody through coming through the, the the pantry line. Yeah, I really like that idea of, you know, we're not necessarily doing this for the person that's there right now, but maybe the person that drives by a few times, and yeah. there's more. There's always more to the story. Sure. There's always more to the story. So when you think about volunteer opportunities, like you guys as a church used to come to the nonprofit, you'd serve, like you said, like, People would could be here once a year, right? At a very little, and then now there's this opportunity at your church. Have you seen more engagement? I would say from the from the team, yes, definitely. Um, you know, our our team leader is always trying to recruit more people, so uh, we have the same six to ten people who come on the regular, and we'd love to see that expand. Um, but you know, those who come regularly enjoy it. They enjoy the time together. It's good. Good team building, um, and then just an opportunity, like I said earlier, to use their gifts. I think the key thing that I've kind of heard is like, don't reinvent the wheel. Absolutely. Yeah, there's there's just so much work in planning and in logistics. And if, if you are excited about doing ministry, if you're like me, uh, logistics are draining. And so if we can partner with somebody else to run the logistics, why not? I mean, it just makes it lets you get to do the fun part. You get to uh, enjoy the icing without having to bake the cake. 
That's good. So you got, and that, that's what really at the heart, the church could be involved in a lot of different things. And even meeting, you know, say you're like a small little startup church, sure. church plant. Yeah. You could meet at a local nonprofit. You know, you could, there's a lot of different things that people could do that, that church, parachurch organization and ministry, it's not just about the church sending a check once a week or once a month. There's time. And then like you've even shared your people that are serving that way, they're growing. Absolutely. Yeah. I think, you know, anytime you have an opportunity to sacrifice, it is uh, a personal opportunity for growth. Um, I, I know that for me, you know, we do uh, two Fridays a month. Um, I can always find something to do on that Friday. And, and many times I'm not able to go. But to make that sacrifice on those days when, when I am there or for the team that's there regularly, uh, anytime you're making that sacrifice to say this person has a need, um, they're more important than what I could fill this hour with, uh, that, that teaches humility. It teaches you know loving others as yourself. And it's a great opportunity, even when you see somebody's going through a hard time and you get to point them to the hope of Christ, that comes back to you later whenever you're in a hard time and you think, hey, I reminded that person about what uh, they needed in Christ. I need to be preaching that same gospel to myself. Um, And as we practice preaching the gospel to others, when we find ourselves in need, it's a great reminder that we can preach that same gospel to ourselves. Yeah. What do they say? You You can hear things and you forget it. You can you know, read it and you learn a little bit better. But if you teach it now, you're, you know it like, cause now you're giving away what you had. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, that's big for any volunteer. If they get to give away what they have, um, it does, it makes you appreciate it more. It gives you joy. Um, and, and I think it's just an opportunity to be blessed by blessing, you know? Well, we appreciate your partnership and your long-term success with, you know, with victory, like it's, it's amazing that longevity of how, Hey, this church a long time ago decided we're going to invest in the people that are unsheltered. And I know even some of your church members back in the day, you know, they would come pick people up at the shelter yeah, and bring them to church. Yeah. And, and that was, that affected your church. Uh, you know, and it, it, when, when you, like I said, we're a middle-class church for the most part. Um, when you bring people in, you were talking earlier who weren't socialized when they weren't, they didn't have the family, they weren't around. The, when they come in, they don't know the church rules. And it's kind of funny and also like a sweet in, a, in, a, in an interesting way. Like they don't know. It's almost like oh, this sounds condescending and I don't mean it that way. They just don't know the rules. And so they come in, they talk out of turn, they share things that we would say, that's a little personal. Um, I Really, you're sharing that with total strangers? Um, but at the same time, uh, it's it's a joy to see it be new for other people. Um, but it, it, can, it can be a challenge as well. So one of the things I'd say in those moments is like the church, if you really want to reach people who are different, you've got to be gracious, you've got to be patient, and you've got to be kind. Um, you know, Christ, Christ loves um, everybody. So if just because somebody is a little different or doesn't quite fit your uh, what's the word I want to say? Church here? paradigm. Yeah, that doesn't mean they they don't matter to Christ and that they don't have a place in the church. Of course they do. Well, well, I'm just kind of thinking like, what did you guys think about as you prepared that, or even you know in the, you know somebody comes pick somebody up who's homeless or staying at our shelters. Usually where it was, they would stay at the shelter and they get picked up. You know, so it is unique and, but we've got to get them to that independence because the parachurch organization, you know, that nonprofit. We can't sustain them 
for the next 10 years. Whereas if they get plugged into a church, now they're in a small group, they start to build social capital, they might have a mentor, discipleship really is needs to be done in the church. Yeah, I think so, um, because it's consistent, and hopefully your people are sticking around for a long time to build those deep, meaningful relationships. I think about one gentleman in particular who uh, we picked up from the shelter, and he transitioned out of being uh, in a shelter to a stable home. He had a job for a little while. I think he ended up being on disability. But he came to our church for, gosh, I want to say close to a decade. And uh, people knew him by name. He was one of our big ameners. You'd always hear him say amen. And he would say it at the right time with the right inflection. And I was like, yes, you know, like he was an encourager to hear uh, the ameners in the, in the congregation. Um, you know, so I think that was good for him to be around. But it's also good for the church to get to see life change happen over time. Um, as much as we want to believe that every life change is going to happen in an instant, that's rare. That's rare. And so, you know, we're a part of his story. And any time you get to be a part of somebody's story, uh, going from um, not knowing Christ to, to maturing in the faith and uh, seeing the life changer change, you know, hopefully more than just your spiritual condition, um, is, is, a, is, a, is a great thing to witness. I really think that has been my most impactful thing that I've seen you know, in my life is watching the life change and being like, okay, th- this stuff I've been reading really does happen. Mm-hmm. And I and I think the more we can see those kind of life transformations come from different aspects of church and, and that diversity really is what the body of Christ is all about. Like we're all learning because one of the things that that I think you shared was like that reality of like, hey, that person might be sharing really personal stuff, but shouldn't we all? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You know what I mean? No, we've been conditioned, right? To only share a little bit, you know, what's comfortable. No, you're right. We need to be vulnerable. Um, and, and I think, I think one thing that's interesting to see is, is desperate people act desperately. And one of the big lies that I think, um, people who, who don't live in poverty or in desperate physical situations, we often forget that we are desperate people. And uh, so since we convince ourselves of the lie that we're not desperate, we don't act desperately. And so we reserve, we hold back, we, we uh, don't allow ourselves to be vulnerable, we present this uh, spotless exterior. All that is uh, an attempt to protect ourselves because we don't want to be viewed as less. Um, but when somebody who has nothing to lose comes in, they, uh, they're, they, 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 they're desperate, and they, they act in their desperation for, for their good, uh, I think. And it can be very inspirational to see. Yeah, it's very insightful. And I and I think we need more churches like yours and, and all the other ones that we have to see, hey, look, we we are in need of a Savior just like that. And we need a King and we need a Lord. Well, and I just want to say this, like Jefferson's not the perfect church. We don't handle all these situations right. We've made plenty of mistakes. I I've been frustrated in the past, you know, or annoyed in the past, allowed my humanity to get the, the best of me or my inconvenience to get the best of me. Um, and, you know, it's uh, we have a, a gentleman, a couple gentlemen at a church right now that are just really gifted in compassion ministry. And so they'll, they'll, they'll bring a friend or a neighbor in that's a little rough around the edges. And uh, this gentleman just pushes me in, in the right way, not the wrong way, to just be soft, to open up, to let people in. And gosh, we need that. And we fail all the time, uh, you know, where we where somebody, we, we don't let them in right away. So to say that, that Jefferson is a place where these people have, have 
uh, been accepted. Uh, we're we're growing and accepting, you know, and 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 praise God for the people in our church who are who are uh, tremendously compassionate. They um, they help us and uh, and and motivate us and challenge us to grow. We we need them because none of us should be complacent. Um, and, and where we are and how we show the love of Christ to others. I appreciate your vulnerability with that and the honesty, right? Like we always have a place to go and that's really the kingdom, right? I think of that verse, you know, from glory to glory, like we're, we're revealing his glory, but it's in our revelation that he's fully given us everything we need. Mm-hmm. And that's a, that's a really cool thing. So thank you for sharing that because I think, I think someone, if I'm a pastor, I go into church and I'm thinking, oh, our pastor's not like that or Look, you can be the one that has that compassionate heart that's sort of, you know, prodding your Absolutely. team along. And it's so good. I mean, you know, the, the, the body of Christ is made up of different members with different gifts. And I love that so much because uh, this gentleman I'm thinking of, he's such a blessing to me because he, he pushes me. And not in a mean way, just in a gentle way. And sometimes I go home and I'm like, oh, you know, and I'm like, why is why is he got to be like that? Um, but at the same time, I'm I'm encouraged that uh, I can't remain complacent with with where I am in my walk and my ability to love others, and I need to grow in that. And so I'm thankful for those men and women in our church who um, who can lead the charge in in compassion, and we have other people who can lead the charge in other different ways. And together. We want to, uh, as a body of Christ, become more and more like Jesus. Yeah, I really like that. Any last tips somebody listening to this might think, well, I don't even know where to start. Like, how would you, uh, you know, would you recommend them go for some tours, get to know the nonprofits, or what do you think? I would say this. Any, in my experience, any of your nonprofits in your community that are worth pursuing are probably already pursuing you. So start there by who's reached out to you, who's tried to make contact, what do they do, and what do you need? So assess Assess what your church uh, wants to accomplish. Look at the um, parachurch ministries that have reached out to you. Do they accomplish what we want to accomplish? Then, yeah, make that contact. Go do the tour. Meet meet the people who are in charge, the hands and the feet. Make sure that they uh, uh, um, are promoting Christ in the same way you are um, so that you know you can have a fruitful partnership. Absolutely. Take time to get coffee um, and, 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 and get to know them um, the best you can um, as, so that you feel confident in your partnership yeah well brandon i respect your leadership and i think it's cool that you've been there for so many years that that faithfulness is paying off for your people that you know come there every day that consistency is really good and like we have mutual friends that uh speak highly of you so i I mean we're so grateful for your partnership at victory but also i'm thateful for your friendship and letting us uh engage with your church and we're very thankful for victory it's a it's a great partnership Thanks for listening to the Brighter Stories podcast. What did you think of this episode? Jump on, leave us a review, and let us know. We put out a new episode every first and third Friday of the month, so be sure to subscribe so you won't miss any content. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram at Springfield Victory Mission. Until next time, I'm your host, Jason Henson. Thanks for tuning in.